Hello everyone, and welcome once again to Insightfully Speaking, a podcast from Cardet Group. My name is Adam Osborne, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts Anne Sinclair and Umberto Schubert, and we also have with us Natasha Aragon as our special guest, where today we'll be looking at the world from a spiritist perspective. The topics we'll be looking at are a robotic conference, heat waves and climate change, and what's going on with mental well-being. But first, as always, let's say hello to my co-hosts. Anne, Umberto, how are you both? And Umberto, we know that you've been really busy recently. What's been going on? Yeah, uh, we have been engaged in uh, very intense academic activities here in Brazil, including translations, new texts, and many uh, launch uh, ceremonies of uh, the the recent uh, texts. So that's uh, a bit stressing, but also uh, uh, very positive in the sense that we we are seeing the fruits of, of previous works. Yeah, and obviously you've been you've posted a few things on social media as well, and you know we we're excited to see all this uh, publicity this publicity about the versions of what's the name of the book again? Just to remind everyone. Uh, the more recent book is um, "Science of Life After Death." which exactly. uh, received a very positive uh, reaction from the general public around the world. Yeah, and no, we, we hope that it's going to be great success in Brazil as well. And what about yourself? Well, just bringing it uh, 180 degrees, uh, I'm very excited. I have just become a grandmother, and this is my first grandchild. And it makes me think about what is the world that we are leaving to the next generation? And, uh, you know, which world did we inherit and which world are we leaving? So it's really made me think. And it's interesting how new life just brings like new energy, new projects um, and revitalizes all of the people who are involved. Very exciting. Yeah. And we've got a couple of topics today which are sort of linked to that about what, how, are we, how are we leaving the planet where we live as well. So let's bring on our guest. We have with us today Natasha Aragon, who is an environmental consultant from South Oxford and is also an active member here with us at Cardet Group with all our studies. So Natasha, welcome once again to Insightfully Speaking. How are you? Thank you, Adam. Thank you for inviting me to come back. I've been lovely. Thank you very much. I've been uh, trying to think I have nothing as exciting as Anne and, and Umberto to share. I think the only exciting thing that had happened to me, uh, as had happened to many other parents around the UK, is the fact that school holidays have started. And for the next six weeks, we are all going to have lots of fun trying to juggle work and childcare at the same time. <laughs> That's very, very true. And of course, we know that all the places that take care of children will be inundated and swamped. And you know, we know that the Barbie film has just come out. So <laughs> cinemas are probably going to be quite popular over the next couple of weeks. Let's get on with the first topic. A few weeks ago, the ITU AI for Good Global Summit was held in Geneva with a purpose of looking at how AI can be a benefit to all aspects of day-to-day -day life, from healthcare to agriculture, entertainment to military defence. 
The event, organized by the International Telecommunication Union and the United Nations, held the first human robot press conference, where nine of the world's most advanced robots answered a diverse set of questions from journalists from around the world. The robots included Ada, a robotic painter and performance artist, Desdemona, a member of the rock group Jam Galaxy Band, and Sophia and Emeka, both considered to be the world's most advanced humanoid robots. On the topic of regulation of AI, Ada said that regulation is certainly needed, and, I quote, the technologies that we can use to help us create can also be used to perpetuate destruction. Whereas rock robot Desdemonda, who said that performing on stage was like being plugged into the best power supply ever, also said it's already time to explore the possibilities of the universe and that robots should make the world their playground. So we are surrounded by AI-powered devices such as Alexa, Siri, Google. What do you guys think about the daily interactions with robots and AI-powered devices? And do you think that putting human-like voices or appearances on them makes these interactions easier? Yeah, so I am the least scientific person here, so I'm just giving a view, thinking about um, daily life. I think this is new technology. It's coming. Like all new technology, when it's coming, it's not going away. We have to adjust and uh, make um, board uh, what you call it, so put in some limits and like laws and things to make sure that it's safe. I think like uh, if we think about what the spirits tell us in the spirits book, they say we are co-creators with God. So the power to create things is there and that cannot be taken away. It's about what are we creating, what goes within us that we are putting out as a creation instead. So I think I, I can feel sometimes a little bit scared by some things because they're new to me. Uh, and maybe other people feel excited. But on the other hand, some, some advancements, they're just really useful and we get accustomed to them really easily. Um, I think that uh, as a member of the public, uh, we will take some adjusting um, to see how exactly this is going to impact our lives. If I think what happened in the 19th century with the industrialization and then so many people, the way um, the economy was run was completely changed and the type of jobs were completely changed and some people benefited and some people lost out and some things went completely rogue and then had to be brought in. So I kind of anticipate that we probably go through a, a period like that. Uh, but I do trust that we do have good people that will put in good laws that will help this progress, this creation to serve uh, humanity for good. Although there might be other people otherwise inclined, but I do believe in, 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 the, in the power of, of, of the good intentions. I have, I'm gonna be very honest. I have, uh, uh, I'm scared of AI. That's my, real personal response i'm very scared of it i try to fight it as much as i can which is a losing battle i know it it's totally a losing battle ai is involved in far more things than we are aware nowadays even the way that our phones respond to our search engines or sometimes how 
Some of our cars have AI that they're not even aware of it. The AI is involved in many other aspects of our lives than, uh, than we are aware of. And, and therefore, I have a total awareness that my fight against it, it's childish. And it's uh, something that I should try to overcome. However, I, going beyond my own personal scares, I would agree with Anne. I think that uh, AI, the risk of AI uh, be stealing jobs is a real one. And it will happen. It, it's just a case of, of time. But at the same way, as Anne was putting quite rightly, that had happened before in society. And what happened is that society adapted to it. And I think that that's exactly what's going to be happening in the future. There's going to be a couple of jobs that will disappear because we are going to find out that a computer can do it better than we do. And then we will have to find other things to be doing. And maybe we will move into a society where um, this is going to sound very far-fetched for those of us who had never were, uh, heard about a universal, uh, universal credit and universal salary. But the whole idea it's that uh, it has been going on for a couple, a couple of decades now is that people would work and they would, working or not working, they would receive a salary. And that salary would be enough for them to be surviving. And then therefore, work would be optional. And you could work in whatever you like, or not work, or do things that are not considered to be work. If an utopic system would come up in place where people could survive, if, despite of having a job or not having a job, a formal job, then the presence of AI or the way that AI could be taking away some of the work that we do would not lead people to be hungry, would not lead people to be having a sort of financial instability. But for that, it's, it's not only a question of uh, putting the right laws in place. I completely agree the right laws have to be put into place, but also a question of us as society to change our way of thinking about how the economic model should work. The truth is that work as we understand it nowadays still make lots of people go leaving deep poverty anyway. So for those people that do not have a job, they are not worried about AI stealing more jobs. They are already hungry. So we, I think that AI coming over and having a bigger role within our our economic life, our society as a whole, um, is just one piece of the clock. I think that we have to start looking into society, we have to start looking into particularly our economic model with different eyes. And AI just make it, um, it's just a push to make us do it a little bit faster. Well, um, when, when we consider dramatic behavioral changes, and transformations, uh, it, it would be um, irrational not to care about them, and it would be equally irrational uh, to panic. So we should be slightly anxious, we should be slightly scared about this very intense transformations that will lead inevitably to behavioral and psychological changes in, in the human race in the human species so we are not talking about uh, some uh, mechanical device that will spare us uh, a bit of time and uh, energy 
We are talking about uh, things that are modeling our children, our babies, and uh, are helping or, or, or harming uh, the souls of, of millions and billions of, of humans already. And that will be intensified in the next years. Uh, at, at the same time, um, optimism and pessimism are philosophical attitudes towards life. We have to remember that. We, uh, we tend to believe that uh, optimism and pessimism are, um, are somehow uh, structured in our personalities or they're a consequence of how we see things and how we understand things. But they are also, to a great extent, existential attitudes that we uh, actively choose to have. So um, in all positive and, and healthy philosophies, we are uh, invited to have this optimistic look to, to, to life. So we, we have to try to uh, enforce this, this optimistic look, even when it's uh, not easy to to, to make or to have. Uh, and uh, I, I think a, a, another philosophical dimension of the problem that is frequently ignored is that uh, humans are the creators of, of these tools. And in a materialistic perspective, we only see them as uh, competitors or, or things that are threaten our jobs and, and the, the way uh, we live life and our lifestyle and so but there are also our tools. So there is something very human in artificial intelligence. They are uh, made, made to fit our necessities, our interests, our desires, our vices. Uh, and the more we uh, understand about ourselves, the more we can control uh, these tools. So uh, in the next decades or, or years, we will be invited to think about our place in the cosmos and what do we want for our society if we want a, a society uh, where competition is uh, insanely intensified <laughs> because we have to fight robots and we, we cannot win this fight. We cannot... Uh, be more productive than, than robots and artificial intelligence. That's simply impossible because they, they are made to be more, more productive as the machines of the industrial revolutions are, are made to be uh, thousandfold, thousand times more productive than, uh, than, than human hands. So uh, it, it is pointless to insist in uh, protecting uh, jobs from the invasion of artificial intelligence, but we have to protect lives and we have to protect um, human personality uh, from uh, this, uh, this possible threat of uh, greedy uh, companies that uh, are already using uh, these uh, tools to manipulate children, for example, to stimulate consumerism and so on. So it is a very, very big problem, very complex problem, but uh, discussing about it, we will eventually find ways to, to deal with it.
Yeah, you're absolutely right. These are tools. They're man-made devices. You know, they will only be as good as we allow them to be. So, yeah, big questions. I think th I, these... Go ahead. Can I make a comment about that as well? Sorry, Adam, and jumping in. I, I totally what, see what you mean, Umberto, but I think that the issues that I have, and I'm going to be picking up again a personal example. On my line of work, I had a chance to be working with ChatGPT, which is the most common uh, AI uh, tool out there when it comes to editing and you know working with text. And as you know, I work as a consultant. And uh, my husband, who is a, a very AI, AI geeky, uh, he he does have the ChatGPT installed on his machine, and he works with it because on his line of work, that's what he needs. And I tried just for the sake of fun to be using his software. And I have to say that the result was the same that I would have by a junior consultant, a text produced by a junior consultant, even better. Within exactly 10 minutes, a work that a junior would take about three to four hours to do. So of course I would be tempted to be using that because it's a tool, it makes my work faster, my life easier, I don't have to be reviewing the text afterwards. But at the end of the day, that goes back to why we need to be using those tools on a mindful way. Mm. Of course I can do that, but then I'm taking away the opportunity to the juniors that work with me to actually learn. And I think that that's the issue, is when you have a tool and I, I completely agree. We have to see this as a tool, but we have to be seeing that tool on a mindful way. And that goes beyond um, just putting some laws into place. It has to be also the responsibility to each one of us of trying to understand what is the real consequence of, again, using my example, me having a text or an entire chapter produced by ChatGPT. On the long term, I'm going to have a junior did not acquire the experience that it needed to actually move from that graduate position into something more. Because that's the true with all of us, isn't it? We as humans, we, we evolve through experience. And if we use the tool instead of a person, we are removing that, that layer of, of experience that the person needs. So we are, we are taking away the experience of that person and that at a long term, is going to be having consequences yeah because at the end of the day uh picking up my example of using a report the report was very good but i had to be doing the final interpretation i have to be the one signing it off mm -hmm. and i have 25 years experience doing what i'm doing so if i remove now all the juniors in 25 years time who is going to be signing it off mm. so i completely agree with you it is a tool and as any tool we have to be very mindful of how we are using it absolutely yes i think that was a really good example natasha because it's because things are new and it's like when you have a new toy and you know what what can it do what can it do it can do this it can do that look at this and not really thinking uh, what the consequences are and also it brings us back uh, to what Umberto was saying, as a, to that question of us as humans, 
of who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? You know, where do, where do I fit in the universe? It's not just about producing things, that our life is much more than that. So it might be that it will help us to come back to ourselves and to look at ourselves in terms of our very sort of core of who we are. Yeah. No, it's like, like with other things, other technology allows us to have more free time for the developing other aspects of our knowledge of our experience so let's just see what happens over the next couple of months maybe is <laughs> because it's, it's evolving so quickly but as we have natasha with us we thought it's only right that we talk about certain recent events and talk about the environment so obviously in the past few weeks many parts of the northern hemisphere have been swept by heat waves with temperatures reaching over 50 degrees celsius in parts of america europe and china and that's obviously brought with it a higher than normal level of wildfires in various areas and all the arid conditions which have resulted in torrential flooding as well, especially throughout Europe. And you know, right now we have stark warnings that heat waves may be 12 times more frequent over the next few decades and that the planet may start to have major crop losses around the world, which potentially mean global famine. And that you know more animals may start to become extinct very soon. So do we think that all these items are just scaremongering or should we take the issue of the environment more seriously and if so what can we really do about it that is a very good question adam it is indeed a very good question um i think that one thing that as an environment as an environmentalist i think that i need to to put forward is um the heat wave that we are experiencing in northern europe and the floodings that we are experiencing in certain areas in asia they are a direct result of a phenomena called el nino that is has been hitting the the world at this moment in time so el nino is a is a it's a climate phenomenon that happens every three or four years and every time that it happens we have major climatic events. Now, El Nino are natural phenomena. They have always had happened. And therefore, this change is natural and has always been there. So, but is it really just El Nino that we are experiencing? And then that's the real question. The, this, this climate changes that um, that we have been experiencing, so although they are cyclic and they are natural, the truth is that within the last couple of decades, they have been getting worse and worse. And that's not scary longing. That's a natural thing that's, that can be proven. And uh, it's, it's there. And because of it, I would not say that, this is, that it's something that we could just brush it off. Climate change is real. It is a consequence of something that had happened that started 200 years ago. And therefore, the first part of your answer, yes, it is real. Should you be scared? Yes. Yeah, yes. Now, what is it that we can do about it? This is a consequence of something that had started 200 years ago. And therefore, many people will say, well, but what can I do about it then now? It's, 
it's not really my 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 place to be here isn't it um and i can feel it i can feel when people say about it because we might try our best but then we see things happening around us that we feel very powerless about isn't it i mean we we can try to reduce our carbon print by trying to take public transport trying to go for a walk try to reduce the number of times we need to be driving our car we can try to buy things that are more local uh, we can reduce the amount of plastic that we throw away every day there's lots of very personal changes that i can do in my day-to-day -day life that can reduce my impact my footprint my ecological footprint upon earth and i'm not trying to minimize them those are all very important but it's true that for a person that is seeing those efforts every time that we take a look and we see sometimes big companies trying to do things that they should not be doing or government approving policies that we are totally against we do feel a little bit helpless don't we we do feel a little bit powerless and in some ways i think that the second question that you ask is a very tricky one because there is always something we can do now will that be enough or do we have to start thinking we have to think not only with as us as individual but also as us as a larger society so I'm not answering the question, I'm putting the question back to all of you, but now on a more complex, with a more complex part. Well, ethically, we have to, to do something. We, we are, um, uh, it, it is our duty to do something. It, it would be morally wrong uh, to ignore uh, any harm, any, any sort of problem uh, we may uh, ultimately be the cause of, but uh, at the same uh, time, it, it, it may be very pointless in, in the sense of uh, uh, the expectation of changing the way things are. I agree with Natasha. I, I think it is very related to the artificial intelligence uh, problem because um, we have to be super mindful about that and we are morally responsible for that, for being mindful. At the same time, it will uh, change very little the, the overall scenario. So there will be millions and or hundreds of millions of uh, uh, jobs disappearing in the next years. That's inevitable. And there will be a global warm and growing global warm in the next years. There will be other extinctions uh, for, for many species for fragile environments and so so um, we have a tendency to think too uh, individualistically like we we were driving a car and we were responsible for deciding if we go one direction or the other but in fact we are in a very very large ship and we cannot decide where the ship is going. We can decide uh, if we are going to to disturb uh, the other <laughs> other tripulants or the guests' uh, trip or not. Uh, and that's uh, our moral responsibility. We have to to diminish our negative impact, and we have to improve our positive impact in every situation in life. 
because we are responsible for making the trip uh, intolerable for some uh, friends, for, 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 for our neighbors. And we are doing that uh, frequently. We, we take decisions that make this trip harder or intolerable or, or disgusting for someone else, maybe people we don't even know, maybe people in other countries. Uh, so uh, if, even if the trip is uh, set uh, to a specific course, we, we can influence uh, the, the quality of the trip we are going to have together. So I think that's, uh, that, that, that's the, the beauty of uh, the larger message of uh, spiritism, that we have not destined, but we have a, a collective movement that is uh, going to, to some direction that we can hardly envision clearly, but at the same time, we are morally responsible for what we do all the time or how we react to uh, catastrophes or uh, to, to, to these big problems. And helping other people to deal with the situation and promoting people and diminishing the, the possible harm we are causing, maybe without knowing it, that's something uh, that we, we should care a, a lot about. Yeah, I think that, yeah, the, the, this conversation is really interesting because uh, at least uh, in my family and my friends, you know, everybody tries to do their bit, you know, to try to be more conscious and do something, reduce the use of plastic. Or do, it, they're just like tiny drops in the ocean, but the ocean is made of all the drops. So sometimes you become disheartened and say, some people might say, well, what's the point? You know, you, 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 you recycle, blah, blah, these few things, but these other companies are doing this massive destruction. But it's what you're saying about each one of us needs to be individually responsible for our choices, even if we are, it seems like it, it, uh, the impact is minimal. Uh, and also thinking about when it's they, the companies, what is our relationship to they, the companies that provide the things that we want or think we need and that we use. And I think that it will be a time of awakening of our, of our consciousness. And, you know, when it, when it says uh, in the spirits book is, uh, or the gospel, I can't remember which it says, when will we have a happy world? It says when all citizens have a happy opportunity. So if my pleasure, my well-being causes the suffering of somebody else, it will come back to me because we are all linked. And like, uh, like Umberto says, like we are all in one boat. And it's an illusion to think that we, we can get to the destination without all coming together and doing that. But it's a process, I think, of spiritual evolution as well, of awakening of consciousness. And I think that, you know, thinking about, you know, new spirits coming in, who might be more conscious than the ones who are already here, helping to push us forwards to challenge us. Many times, it's our children who challenge us. So why are you doing this? You know, the impact of this, you know, if you do this, uh, something might be happening on another part of the world. And you go like, Oh, never thought of that because that's the truth 
never thought until somebody brings it to my attention in some way. So it's not about becoming depressed about it. Oh my gosh, now I can't do anything because everything is just creating negative impact everywhere. Just comes uh, that, 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 that example, I know it's from the theory of chaos when it says, you know, a butterfly moves its wings over here and it creates wind on the other side of the world. That is the level of our connection. So I, I, do, I do believe that uh, we will have some rude awakenings individually as well, because uh, we are, if we're living a comfortable situation, we might not want to look at where things are coming from. It might be, you know, we don't want to burst our bubble, but we will have to at some point because life comes knocking, whether through climate or other ways, life comes knocking and calls you, invites you to progress. You can't detain that. So our being sort of in, in a way, sort of hiding away and not wanting to say, you know, take any responsibility, it's only temporary because we will be called each one of us individually at some point to have an experience which will help us to awaken to how we're all connected as humans, but also how we are connected to Mother Earth and the whole of the environment, because we are all, we all need one another. I think you said a really important word there, and which is responsibility, because I think over the past decades or even centuries, you know, we feel that perhaps, I, I feel that perhaps um, humanity, we've had less responsibility over our actions. You know, the fact that we can just chuck our rubbish in a bin which gets collected once a week or every other week or whenever. Uh, we don't have to worry about sewage. We don't have to worry about this or that. We can just go and drive up and fill up our car, whatever, and do things. We don't take, perhaps we don't take enough time to consider the bigger ethical impact of everything that we do. So apart from the obvious things of you know, getting rid of, uh, to, to stop buying things with polyester, to buy more uh, bamboo fiber toilet paper, to have bamboo toilet, toothbrushes, that kind of thing. What else can we be, can we really be doing to help reduce our carbon footprint? Mm. I think that going back to what I was saying before, I, I think that what, what I said was actually trying to bring some sort of a doomed. I didn't plan that. I don't think we should be disheartened. I totally agree with, with, with Anne and Umberto. I think I was just trying to call out to what is it we can do materialistically. I think my, my opinion is that we are doing what we can. But what can we not, what we can do beyond that? And I think that if we think about it, I'm going to go back to something that we mentioned before the current economic model that we have running our society, isn't it? If we think about how we actually work, the major, the, the, the major factors that are contributing to that model are the human mind, is our self-centeredness, our greed, our need for material wealth, our need for power. So in a sense, what you need to change is how you think. What you need to change is your awareness. As you were saying quite right, you, you, on your question itself, should we be buying differently? Well, maybe the question is, should you be buying at all? Do you really need it? How much do you buy? How, how much of the, of the resources that we, we, we capture every day do we actually need? And, and this is the shift that we need to take, is 
and that's the type of shift that we as individuals can make a massive change in everything around us is when we start to getting rid of that idea that I am more important than the other, that I need more, I need to accumulate more, I need to be changing my phone every six months because there's a new model. I need to be, I need to be changing my clothes. I need to be, I need to be acquiring more things. Do I really need to? Let's pick up a, a situation related, for example, to the the questions of El Nino or the heat wave that we are facing. El Nino cannot be avoided. There's lots of floodings that are going to be happening. Do I need to be putting my house? in the dunes do i buy do is it really important for me to be living at the at the coastal area on a house that is really 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 in front of the sea sea is going to be changing but it, i was the one who had to put my house over there did i did i took attention to the, to the to the environment around me before i did my actions so we i think in my my opinion is that before we take more practical actions please don't stop we have to carry on doing them. We also have to take a look into how am I seeing the earth around me? How am I seeing my needs? What is it that I really, really, really need? And what is it that I just want? And move beyond that. And if we can do that, we are going to be, we are going to be changing many things, not only ourselves, which is the, the, the core of the problem, changing ourselves, but then changing society around us changing how we should be dealing with things and i think in a sense that has the deeper impact i would add that that's the the, the purpose of insightfully speaking so we wanted to make a, a difference and and to 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 make some impact by talking which is uh, for, for most people uh, not very fruitful or not very productive but we we deeply believe in the power of discussing dis, discussing um such subjects and and sensitive uh, points in uh daily life in 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 modern life and the more we discuss about that the the higher chances we have to um to acquire some some new conscience of what is actually going on and to be more aware as as any stressed about things we are not usually uh aware uh, about and um even if it's unusual we uh, we should uh, think more about uh talking to people that uh, are not uh, not very inclined to talk about these topics and to invite people to to have the larger discussion in in the whole society not only uh, in, uh remaining in the bubbles that are uh, comfortable uh, uh about talking about that yeah i, th I think i think you got a really, really good point there Umberto. well you always have a really good point but i i think then that's true you know i think society so sort of gets a bit accommodated with all these topics and you know it it is the kind of thing where all this responsibility that we have thrown on our shoulders we either ignore it or it just starts to can start to become a bit overwhelming and a bit of a burden sort of and especially affecting people's mental health and you know 
just the other day, I think yesterday or the day before, there was a scientist who was giving warnings in the 1980s who turned around and said, you know, we're all fools because we should have been listening earlier. So, no, just to also segue a bit into the next topic about mental health, how have you guys seen the pressure of climate change affecting people's mental health? Especially with, like I said, all this burden that we s seem to have sometimes that, you know, we have to do this, we have to buy that, we have to ignore this, we can't do this, we can't do that. The, there's something around um, the pain of change. And um, so if, if, if you're challenging people as, um, and wanting them to change, you need to think first that you need to lead, lead by example. I think that some people can uh, feel bombarded by this fast moving society in which we find ourselves, where things uh, maybe appear, I don't know, it's difficult to compare to 100, 200 years ago where things appear to like to be more set, settled or, or, or set for longer periods. I don't know if that's the truth, but it's, it's the narrative that comes up, isn't it? So as soon as you get accustomed to something, the, goal, the goalpost moves and then all change. And now this was good, but now this isn't good anymore. And like the electric car was good, but now it's not good. You know, all this, it's really challenging and it could really make you feel um, and that sense of that nothing is stable, that nothing is, is concrete. And I think that's a really interesting point because when you think about it, let's say we are eternal spirits living a chapter an episode which is this incarnation here now we have lived episodes before we will live episodes in the future we will inherit this earth so we need to be having long-term plans to preserve our vessel our home uh, and thinking about like trying from a materialistic point of view of trying to keep everything uh, settled and holding on and not moving that that's that is just representing something that you're looking at the exterior uh, and just remembering that we are eternal spirits that we are energy and that everything in matter can be transformed and that we don't cease to exist because of that i think in terms of mental health i mean it it is really challenging because although it's become come to the forefront of lots of discussions it goes either two ways over over sort of pathologizing people or oversimplifying it and actually it's probably somewhere in the middle and when you say well you know um, my mental health was affected by this what exactly do we mean because our mental health is you know do we feel uncomfortable do we feel sad do we feel depressed you know there's so many different varieties of things but I think that uh, when you're thinking about mental health, you can't ignore the spirit that we are. And the same way you can't ignore the body in which we move and you can't ignore the environment in which we live. They're all totally interconnected, acting and reacting upon each other. So I talked a lot and I don't know if I said anything <laughs> constructive there. I was just reflecting. No, good. it's good reflections. It's a good point, Anne, because uh, 
there is there is such a thing as called green anxiety. I don't know if you ever heard about it, but basically it's the anxiety that is associated with issues uh, like climate change, for example, and it's not unheard of. And yes, it can be it can be a burden, isn't it? Not trying to oversimplify it because I, I agree with you. There is a tendency to do that. I don't know. I don't know about the rest of the world, but I do remember that um, in the UK, the Mental Health Awareness Week. We have a Mental Health Awareness Week every every year in May, and the topic for this year was anxiety. And there's a reason behind it, isn't it? It's it's not only about just climate change, but it's about everything. Um, and it, for, again, from a scientific point of view, but maybe Alberto will, will know better than I do. Anxiety is it's not unnatural. Stress is a natural thing. It's a mam it's a it's a mammal thing. And our body is the body of a mammal, isn't it? We as spirits are inhabiting a body that experiences stress. And stress is a requirement. We have to stress. Stress is what made us survive. It's associated with the law of of um of conservation. Stress is what is going to remind us, and anxiety is what is going to remind us to pay the bill tomorrow because we forgot. And then we're going to have that five minutes say, Oh, bugger, tomorrow is the 24th, I have to be paying the bill. Stress and anxiety is what is going to be pushing us towards this need for change. Speak up the, the green anxiety, for example. It's, it's what moves us to, I need to change, and therefore I have a problem. Anxiety is what's going to be pushing the, the button. The issue with anxiety and stress is when it's so big and the pressure is so large that you cannot move. Then it does the exact opposite to what it should be doing. Is when you are feeling the pressure so highly in your shoulders that you cannot act anymore. That you cannot, you cannot, uh, you don't feel like you can make any changes because you are feeling squished. That's exactly the word. It's, it, it's when you cannot do anything about it anymore, isn't it? And picking up uh, the 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 green anxiety, but going back into any type of anxiety, then it goes back to how do I how do I deal with the problems? Trying not to oversimplify them, not trying to oversimplify it, but the core of it is I have an issue, and how do I deal with that issue? Do I use it to move forward or am I or that issue is going to to make stop me on my wheels and I cannot move anymore? Now that's just because it's the core of the problem does not mean it's a simple one because each and every one of us we will deal with worry, we will deal with our problems in a different way, and we should never judge. Something that might seem like a little problem to me might seem like the world to my peers or to my neighbors. That's why it makes it so complicated to be simplifying it. It's each and every one of us will deal with differently um, and we could never judge what causes it, isn't it? Well, uh, we have now massive uh, scientific evidence that uh, most mental health uh, issues, they can be uh, managed we, we can handle them and we, we can deal with them uh, if we only uh, know that we are capable 
off doing so and we we have help uh in understanding the different uh problems and and issues and not that it's uh, easy and that it's a matter of uh, choice only but uh, uh we can handle things if we uh are very aware about them if we know them precisely and we have a very clear uh, diagnosis that explain to ourselves how uh, to handle them, how to, to administrate them. But uh, most people uh, do not know that or they, they refuse to administrate their, their own uh, problems. And um, I think spiritism is especially helpful in that sense because uh, there's a, a biblical sentence that is very present in, in Dostoevsky's work, uh, which is uh, human heart has a, a hole the size of God. And unless, uh, until we understand that uh, uh, material products and success and people cannot fill this, this hole, we will fail and we will uh, remain in uh, a self made a uh, state of uh, of suffering uh, of, of uh, confusion actually before suffering there is a lot of confusion usually uh, and we we have to uh, to help bringing to this culture to to this society uh, a new notion of uh, how to to be fulfilled how to experience the infinity of of God, uh, wisdom, and the the infinite intelligence, the, the perfect uh, uh, goodness and, and wisdom of, of God, in a rational sense that is can be accommodated to to the modern scientific mentality, and uh, churches are, are failing in in providing that because they many times have a, a sort of anti modern approach which is incompatible with uh, modern life, with uh, higher education and so. And uh, scientific mentality, when it is too positivistic or utilitarian, is uh, also failing in, in doing that because uh, this mentality has a tendency of rejecting the humanistic approach to, to our lives, to, to the purpose of life, to, to the meaning of life, to God and so on, to moral life. Uh, and uh, one thing that we, we have to, to be courageous of, of doing is uh, to talk about that, the necessity of the spiritual dimension of uh, a religious dimension in, in the broadest sense of religion that we can possibly imagine. And uh, the, the, the role of the spiritual dimension of our lives in uh, the, the building, uh, the, 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 the construction of uh, a new society, a new model of, of being, a new model of consciousness that uh, is, are still to, to be worked. Uh, we are not uh, succeeding in, in, in making this step. And that's why we are discussing climate change uh, tools that are very dangerous, that we cannot handle, that we cannot uh, be completely responsible 
about because we we don't uh, made we we didn't make this this humanistic movement uh, to to prepare us and to make ourselves compatible with all these exterior changes in in the material world. Yeah. Uh, I think what obviously you're, you're bringing ties in really closely to what I actually written down in the script to talk about anyway I I, I, perhaps, I think my script just got leaked out to everyone perhaps I don't know ChatGPT sent it to you all but um, but you know you, Natasha you mentioned about the mental health awareness week which was obviously back in May and exactly around that time we no, we always have lots of articles being published saying, you know, how we need to take better care of ourselves and, you know, we need better sleep, we need more sleep, we need daily activities, daily hobbies, spiritual activities, human touch as well. So the last question really I have for today is what have you guys seen which can be of benefit to help people improve their mental well-being and obviously we've talked about spiritism as being a channel as well a pathway as well but what what else have you personally seen as something that can benefit people who want to boost their mental health i just start with something um, which I, I came across which i think is a bit interesting i was um contemplating retiring from my job because i'm coming to that age where i'm able to do that not that I'm going to give up working. I have a million projects that I want to do when I don't need to be earning, you know, a salary. As Natasha was saying, in a universe where I, I get enough money to, from for my for my daily life and and I can actually do the work that I want or enjoy. But uh, one of the things that they were saying about retirement is that uh, you need to be very careful because some people, if you have a, a, what is the role of work in your life in your self-identity and if people if you don't go through that process of thinking about that and you retire and you don't have a project people says people can be dead within two years particularly if they were men and they were had a high powered job and all kinds of things just thinking the impact on on the mental health of things like work or where is what does work mean in your life and uh, how does that place you in terms of society about your relationships? So one of the things they were saying is when people retire, they become isolated because work is a place where you have your colleagues, as much as you might not, not think that you get on with them or you argue and I think that is a daily contact with other human beings and that, as, that we need to have that contact with human beings. And if we suddenly stop that work and we stay at home alone, it will affect our mental health. So having that awareness of um, our, the importance of relationships, of human contact, especially coming out of COVID, where so many people have been affected uh, in their mental health because of the withdrawal of human contact, whether that contact includes touching, embracing, you know, and you can pay to have a massage to have it done therapeutically, but, you know, having a hug with a friend, with a relative, how that really makes a difference, you know, releasing the, the hormones that uh, will give you pleasure and well-being to counterbalance the ones of stress and, and so on. So we are always, you know, we've got both sort of universes of, of, of possibilities within us. 
and uh, thinking that uh, yes there may be robots and uh, artificial intelligence but are they able to give us a hug and to touch us in a way that we feel nourished on that level it's it's funny how the the topics all kind of became entwined in some way but it's that mammal body as as natasha well said that needs touch that needs heat that needs that contact if you look at the mammals you know in the in, in the wild and any david attenborough movie or, or program you will see how you know they're licking each other they're grooming each other they're having that physical contact and so we need that as well we are not robots we are human beings but we are using a mammal body on a physical earth so having that awareness of who we are and where we are what, what's happening it can really help us to put things in perspective uh, i don't uh, anyway want to take away from uh, medical treatments or, or pharmacology and things like that which all absolutely have their place but just thinking about the mental well-being of each one of us uh, yeah what what can we do to improve that and just to have that awareness that I, say, I actually need human contact so how am i going to develop that working together doing projects in the community all kinds of different things can put me in contact with other human beings and that that will definitely benefit my my mental well-being and you're talking about obviously meeting people and hugging and you know, obviously covid meant that we couldn't do that for quite a while mm -hmm. so I'm, yeah. I'm i'm quite a huggy person you know uh one of the great things about having spiritist groups is you know when people arrive you give them a nice big hug you welcome them so for two and a half years to not do that on the you know, once twice a week and not see friends and family to give them a hug you think wow and now we're in this post-pandemic phase where we can we can do that but many people are still sort of quite cautious many people mm -hmm. still like one step back like okay hug but uh, just quick so it it is a difficult thing and yeah you know, we we do need that touch from time to time yeah we may have uh get used to uh to this social distance in a, an unhealthy way possibly and uh i am i am a bit afraid with uh, a future society uh, in which we uh, always choose what we want to do because we we all have colleagues that we would never meet if we were not uh, forced to, to meet if we we, we could uh, have a choice uh, and to some extent, that's uh, psychologically healthy. That that's good for our personality. That we we are forced to to meet some people that uh, not harmful people, obviously, but some people that are difficult to deal with, or uh, that we we have uh, difficulty in in in, in come along with. And um, I I very afraid uh, of. Um, a progressive isolation, progressive individualism, and I think COVID boosted that. That that's a a, a vice that was previously in our society, in our way of life, in the modern industrial, post-industrial way of life, and COVID uh, may have boosted that in in a very uh, weird way that 
we we have to deal with now and we have to to overcome in in order to uh again uh, get in in touch with uh with people with with reality with nature yeah i can see what you mean Alberto. If, if you can choose never to deal with a person that you don't really see hand to hand what type of society we are creating isn't it we are never going to be learning how to deal with conflict that's not healthy at all uh, relationships are part of our of ourselves and we all know that we cannot no man is an island no man should be living in absolute isolation um, and therefore that that relationship is very important i was picking up and thinking of the answer that you just gave uh, the, the question that you just gave adam um, and i i agree with all the points that Anne was was saying i think that human touch is definitely something that is important relationship let's put it this way on a more general way relationships are important for our mental health i think that also the disassociation um, it's a big word, basically, to, to detach ourselves to the role that we play on the case that you were mentioning and on this idea of retirement. But I think that in many other situations where people are made redundant from a company or for one reason or the other, life changes in a way that they now are detached. They, they have to be separated for something that they, they saw themselves in, either be the breadwinner of the house, a worker, a father, a daughter. I think that one, one way to, to try to overcome that, it's a very deep, um, be very deeply aware that I am more than the role that I'm playing. I am more than the responsibilities that I have in my plate. That sounds very simple, but it's very complicated to do because we are all very attached to our roles and our responsibilities. But I think that thinking on a on a, a different one that to improve mental health um, on my on, on my case I think it's silence I think that to silence to some people can be can be very bad because they are lonely and they would welcome some noise and warmth in their life um, but to other people and I'm going to be putting myself in this category just even if temporarily, but that's where I am, but have a very high-paced uh, environment around me, silence is definitely a plus. And we should be seeking moments of silence. And, and not only silence around us, but silence within. And those are harder to get. Um, those little breaks where we can actually take a deep breath and look around us and think, what is it that I'm thinking? What is it that I need to do? And try to be very mindful when I'm thinking and doing those things that need to be done. Um, I think that seeking those spaces, it also allows us to be creative. Some people might call it boredom. It, it is true, you know, if we're sitting with nothing else to do, our mind will immediately try to be distracted because we do, our mind does not like to be bored. So if we have those 10 minutes before bed, um, instead of going to sleep, we are going to be looking into an article, we're going to be reading a book, we are going to be checking Facebook, checking social media, or seeing a movie, anything really. But those moments of boredom, those moments of silence, I think they are pivotal and they are very much overlooked. Um, if I can only sleep six hours, why would I go to bed early? 
if I can function pretty well with four hours, I might just as well catch up with my social media before I go into bed. I'm only going to sleep at two o'clock in the morning. Is that really healthy? How is that really contributing to my mental health? So I think that one thing that is overlooked is, uh, is having these moments of stepping back, removing distractions, removing noise and removing mental noise as well. And just trying to sit and and evaluate why I'm doing the things that I'm doing and what is it that I'm actually doing. It's hard to do that when our mind is busy and when there's too much noise around us. So that's my five cents. I would say, um, in, in, in my personal impression uh, about that, that the quality of your... Um, of, of your time uh, with yourself is proportional and in harmony with the quality of your time with others. So uh, these moments of silence and, and loneliness in, in the positive sense, they uh, are much in harmony with the quality of your social life and vice versa. So it is more difficult to, to have... Uh, a flourishing social life if you never have uh, uh, moments of, of uh, isolation, moments when you can think and, and be with yourself and enjoy yourself in, in a, a healthy way, obviously. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, question 919 in the Spirits book, Know Thyself. You know, uh, how well do we truly know what we are, how we are, what we react to. Um, we, yeah, we need all these moments of social contact. We need the moments, like I said, moments of silence for, for us to truly know how we can react to each other, to various circumstances. Any last thoughts? I think I'm going to be picking up one last thought that is not mine. Can I pick up a thought that is not mine? You should. <laughs> so I'm going to pick up a, a thought that actually is from Alan Kardec. And this, so that dates back to 1872. In the Genesis, there's a chapter called The Sign of Times. And on the Sign of Times, um, the chapter says that humankind had made incontestable progress regarding their intelligence in material improvement and progress. Mind you, this was in 1872. But the book, at the end of that chapter, it says that what people needed nowadays was not the development of intelligence, but the elevation of sentiment. And for that, they must do away with everything that would incite selfishness and pride. And I think that for me, it summarizes most of the topics that we were talking today. Most of the issues that we face in society nowadays, be it the risks associated with the development of new technology, be it the natural disasters associated by the change of climate around us, be it the, the mental health pandemic that we have nowadays because 
mental health now becomes a social it's a problem of society more than a problem of it as in addition to the problem of the individuals all of that can be going back to us taking a look of how it is that we see the problems around us and once we are aware of it how is it that we deal with it how much of it is my responsibility how much is it comes back to my own mistakes because sometimes it's very easy for us to look and say that the society is the problem forgetting that i am part of that society picking up what Anne was saying that the ocean is made out of tiny little droplets of water and I am one of those. So how do I see that problem? How do I deal with it? And what am I going to do with that information? I love that uh, thought. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, we, we spoke much about um, taking uh, an assuming responsibility about our initiative, about moral uh, commitment and the notion that uh, it also involves a, a different awareness uh, about um, about our role in in the world, about our role uh, in, in in society, and probably the most uh, incorrect way of uh, solving any of these big problems we are discussing discussing today uh, is to to propose technical solutions. There are sometimes very obvious but people just don't don't uh, are not prepared or they they just don't do it they they, they just don't make the, this movement they, they don't don't make this step in the direction of a significant change and uh, to face this these challenges uh, our in intelligence will probably or certainly uh, find very quick solutions and, and good solutions but uh, they will uh, remain as, as dead tools uh, until we want to, to use them, uh, until we want to use uh, social media for good things and, and, and to, to promote human beings instead of arguing with them or instead of um, uh, praising ourselves for, for what we made and things like that. We, we can use artificial intelligence to be more productive instead of substituting other people or ourselves. Uh, we can improve our planet's uh, environment instead of destroying and crushing it all the time. Probably it will take uh, a while to to make this movement. It's not going to happen tomorrow or next week. We will have to deal with the consequences of our preference for vice and, and selfishness and, and pride in, in, in the mass scale. And we will have to pay the price for that for a couple decades more or a couple centuries more. But eventually we will uh, feel that this changes is needed that this change is possible and that we actually want it we when we want to live in a better world we will probably be perfectly capable of making it well thank you all for all your thoughts on these topics today it's been 
a, a pleasure to have this time with you all, but it is time for us to start to wrap up. And therefore, Anne, do you have anything for us for a moment of reflection? Yeah. Well, I took it here from this little book, which is called Recipes for Peace by the Spiritual Energy Angelist by the medium Divaldo Franco. And it's chapter five, and it's called Haste. So I'll just read it to you. It says, Impulsiveness is the cause of many iniquities that afflict humanity. Anxious behavior leads to states of disturbance, generating perfectly avoidable suffering. Beneath the stigma of anxiety, attitudes are fomenting inadequate results for inner edification. For this very reason, the practice of calmness is indispensable for a harmonious journey vis-à-vis -vis the perplexities imposed by modern times. Patience teaches to await the results of any accomplishments which cannot be anticipated. The rhythm of time is unalterable, and this is why things happen naturally within time spans that cannot be changed. At the instance of haste, mankind hears and sees by way of deformed vision, which disturbs matter even further. And with clouded discernment, they plunge over cliffs of misfortune. There is a time to sow and therefore understandably a time for harvesting will also come. It is useless to try to precipitate the facts of life between germination and the filling out of the grain. In the moral field, the mechanism is similar. Each phase has its own period of time, each occurrence its proper moment. So gather your moral strength in disciplined equilibrium and do not precipitate events that should follow their natural course. Await that only that which is in your incarnation program will in fact happen. Do not suffer in anticipation, uh, propitiating states of anxiety and bitterness which could otherwise be avoided. When suffering befalls you, face up to it with dignity. Await what is necessary in the way of life's development and for personal recovery in the accounting of spiritual values. Jesus said, the leaves of the trees only fall by the will of God, proving that every event is subordinated to the laws that command the phenomena of the cosmos. Likewise, in your individual world, events occur that you deserve and need. Be patient, therefore, and never be precipitated. You will regret the passionate and the anxious decision, but never the one born from calmness and ponderation. If it seems impossible to bear in peace the problems that afflict you, resort to prayer and be soothed by the blandishment of the interchange between prayer and divinity 
which replies by pacifying you and saving you from haste and recklessness. Thank you, Anne. Well, folks, that is it for this episode of Insightfully Speaking. Please remember to tell all your friends about this show. And remember, all details about Cardec Group and our activities are on our website, www.cardec.org.uk. And you can find the episodes of Insightfully Speaking on YouTube and your favourite podcast station. And remember, always follow Cardec Group on our social media channels. So it leaves me to say a great big thank you to my co-hosts Anne Sinclair and Umberto Schubert and a thank you to our guest Natasha Aragon. My name is Adam Osborne and we hope you can join us next time for another episode of Insightfully Speaking, looking at the world from a spiritist perspective. Mm-hmm.